it's so important. It's crucial. It's, in my opinion, the most important thing, which is you really have to be careful who you spend the most amount of time with. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible, and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and this is a show where you're going to get the best advice ever from our best ever guest, and we're going to help you move your real estate investing business forward. We're cutting out all the fluff, getting straight to the good stuff. And with us today, we've got Tom Kroll. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Joe? Doing very well, my friend. And today is going to be a conversation focused on wholesaling. And Tom has a lot of experience from a practical standpoint in wholesaling. He's been doing it for only two and a half years, but he's done hundreds of deals. He did over 100 deals in his first 18 months. So we're going to hear how the heck he was able to pull that off. He's based in Port St. Lucie, Florida. What's that next to, like, a, or what's that near from a big city standpoint? Just north of, of Palm Beach. Okay, just north of Palm Beach. And he has non-real estate related. He's got three children and his wife is pregnant with their fourth. So congratulations on the new arrival. Awesome. Thank you. With that being said, Tom, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure. So I, uh, my background is I have a sad story like most successful wholesalers. <laughs> I, uh, I was selling uh, out there in the Florida heat selling lawn care service and I lost my job. It was actually my 13th year wedding anniversary. I, uh, they came in and fired me. I called my brother Todd Toback, who's a wholesaler out in San Diego, and he had told me about wholesaling, which is my primary focus. It's my, really my only focus is wholesaling. Uh, he dragged me into wholesaling, kicking and screaming the whole time. I told him I wasn't interested. He, I, I didn't think my market was big enough. I, 
I didn't have enough money to put marketing and I gave him every excuse in the book and uh, he just did the right thing as my big brother and uh, pulled me through that fire and now uh, we have a business that is 100% focused on wholesaling. Um, it produces a, a ton of revenue. It's 100% automated, so I have very little involvement in the business. And now I get to cherry pick the deals that my wholesaling company produces to buy as rental properties, which I think is absolutely awesome. That's great. How many rental properties have you purchased through your wholesaling company? I have six as of right now. And where are they based? Where are they all? Most of them are in Port St. Lucie, Florida. I have some that are in other territories, but how do you determine which one you're going to take and then how do you finance it? So, um, well, as far as picking them, when we're ready to buy another one, we look for specific to Florida. There's uh, a CBS, meaning concrete block uh, or um, wood frame. So we always choose a, a concrete block home because we're holding these for long term. So they tend to last a little bit longer, hold their value a little bit better. Um, we're looking for a very high ROI. But Quite frankly, we're buying them so low that um, it doesn't really matter um, because the ROI is in the 30s and 40 percent, uh, which is incredible. As far as financing them, we just actually buy them cash. So I'm using the cash from the business to just cherry pick the best deal and then purchase it myself and, and throw a renter in there. And uh, I don't know a lot about real estate, so we don't buy any that need to be rehabbed or anything like that. You know, people are often surprised with how little I actually know, you know, about about real estate. Someone just asked me on my rental properties what the cap rate was, and I was, you know, pretended like I knew, but I'm not really sure. I know cap key has something to do with the return on investment, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you bought it for all cash, what's the, what's the return in in year one? Basically, is is what they're looking for. Okay, but usually, yeah, usually you don't really hear that with single families. Usually that's what reference with multifamilies. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. Um, and I know you, you, had meant, you had talked about before the show you were interested in, in multifamilies. So you'll become intimately familiar with cap rates once you start studying on that stuff. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to multi-units. That is going to be awesome. Something that you and I have to have a conversation about. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with the wholesaling business, I mean, two and a half years, you've done hundreds of, of deals. How... Who's on the team doing these deals with you? So we have, um, we you know we have I have an, an assistant and and I can tell you kind of the order of how I I brought people on. Uh, really, an assistant was was the first key for me. Uh, somebody to take over all of the little tedious things, the email and and um, the paperwork and sending out contracts and all of that. Um, I have acquisition managers. I have uh, disposition managers, and really, to me, the disposition manager is one of the most important uh, positions in the company because that really affects the size of your assignment. And then I have various VAs who are um, used in different capacities that are really under one office manager, so to speak. So I have a, a VA who's an office manager in the Philippines who really manages all of the other people who are task-based VAs, meaning for the website, you know, different things that need to get done, pulling off a Craigslist and developing a list. For instance, we pull garage sale listings um, every day off of uh, off of Craigslist. So there's a specific VA who just does that every day. They pull off the garage sales and they create a list, a master list, and then send that off to a, the marketing company for to be mailed. Do you still have the assistant as well in addition to the various VAs and the office manager in the Philippines? I do. I, I actually – I read the book Tim Ferriss, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek, and that book, absolutely top five book, changed my life. And that's where I got the idea for the VA, and um, that I can't tell you enough as, is 100% a game changer, uh, no doubt about it. Where is the VA based? Philippines. Okay, so you've got an assistant – 
And then you've got other VAs in an office in the Philippines with an office manager oversees them. Is that correct? It's a virtual office, so they're not actually... Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's essentially what we have. But essentially what I'm trying to understand is you've got two groups. One is the various VAs that do the website, the Craigslist stuff. In that group, you have an office manager, and then separately, you have a personal assistant. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. And then they're all virtual, right? Yes. And they're all based in the Philippines? Yes. Okay. And you've got, how much are they compensated? Well, I know, you know, I don't know exactly, which I'm happy to say. (laughs) You know, I can tell you that um, I know the numbers that go out on our KPI reports, but I can tell you that I put our office manager 100% in charge of determining uh, those budgets and hiring and firing the different task-based positions. As far as my virtual assistant, she is based on a, I think it's a, six or seven dollar an hour um, rate but then we also and this is very important with any VAs is we always make everyone feel part of the team so what we do is we actually pay a commission on any new deals uh, for instance my assistant gets a hundred dollar commission every time we do a deal so you know we're doing deals every week so every week she's getting a bonus got it and then your acquisition and disposition manager those are separate people are they local they're local, and um, the disposition manager, we pay $500 per deal, and I can recommend anybody that it's just a, a any licensed agent is u- usually the best way to go. Somebody who's a little green, hardworking, um, persistent, new agent is perfect uh, for that position. For the disposition managers, that goes anywhere from 12 to 20% of the actual assignment fee. So you're saying that the $500 is usually 12 to 20% of the assignment fee? No, I'm saying that the disposition manager receives a $500 bonus for every sale that they make. And the acquisition manager is paid on the full assignment, a, a, a basically 12 to 20% uh, commission. It, it varies with what, how close they are to their target and things like that. Got it. Okay. And how did you find your acquisition manager? Well, my first acquisition manager was my brother Daniel Toback, which was awesome. So um, he's he was great. He actually wasn't my first. My first one, we had a first view that we went through that didn't work out. But um, my my first really full time one was my brother, and uh, you know he's still with me to this day, and he does a fantastic job. He does a fantastic job. You know now he's really got it down to a system, and uh, you know we keep him. We all of the support structure is built around keeping him in front of the seller. You mentioned you have a report with KPIs, which stands for Key Performance Indicators. What is the report? What does the report tell you? So, you know, this is really important because one thing I learned from Marcus Lemonis from watching The Profit is that, you know, you, you sometimes you could think you're doing well, but you really have to know your numbers if you want to know your business. And it's something that I had to learn from my mentors. I'm not detail oriented, so I have the report put together for me by other people. So instead of getting frustrated, trying to get more disciplined, building the report myself, which I'm not good at. I'm not detail oriented. I'm not good at data. Um, I have that built for me. And that includes a lot of different data points. Some of the most important data points on that report are what is each individual campaign report doing. So for instance, each time we have a mail piece and a list combination that we send out, I want to know all of the different aspects of that mailing. For instance, what was the response rate? What was the conversion rate? How many leads did it produce? What was the cost per lead? 
what was the money in money out ratio um, i don't have a campaign in, for, in front of me right now a campaign report but those are some of the most important pieces of the of the report are each individual mail piece and list combination and the way we do that is by giving each campaign its own phone number so that is it allows it to be very easy to be tracked would you be able to share a sample with me so uh, the best ever listeners can get an idea of what that looks like Absolutely. I'll send one right over to you. Awesome. And best ever listeners, you can go and download the sample. I'll, I'll host it somewhere. And you, by going to joefairless.com forward slash show, S-H-O-W, and then checking out this episode or just search his, uh, his name, Tom Kroll, and my name, and it will come up on my website. And that's awesome. Thank you for, for doing that. Is the You mentioned the campaign report is something that's indicated on here. Is it just campaign reports or do you have other high-level metrics on the overall business? So on the overall business, we're looking uh, specifically at net profit. So what is it that we're actually walking away with? So um, occasionally we will, you know, we we have to track that. um, And this is where you get into, sometimes you think you're doing well and you're not doing as well as you think. So you really have to tweak a few things. And that's when, when we really started to get heavy into automation on a business that I could walk away from, I would say the most important piece of the puzzle was the net, the gross revenue to the net revenue. And where are we bleeding the most amount of money? Also, the consistency. So we have another piece of the report, which is our pipeline report. That is, you know, a scary number because sometimes, again, you think you're doing well and you're looking at your pipeline report and you're noticing, okay, well, with everything that's going on and everyone's so busy, we actually only have two deals in escrow right now, meaning that we've collected an earnest money deposit from the buyer and they signed the assignment agreement. So I think that tracking net worth and certainly a pipeline report should be part of any KPI report that anyone is looking at as a wholesaler. That's awesome. And this in the KPI report, the sample you'll be able to share with us, it, it has different instances of these things? Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks a lot. With the the pipeline and and just with all well actually with all the these different KPIs you said you have someone put it together is that someone in the Philippines who does that it is and is that the office manager it is okay yeah and and, and you know I will tell you with that position it is so important to build a trust with that person and to give them true responsibility. So often I find that people will hire people in the Philippines and they'll give them all tasks, like one task and then come back and do another task and then come back and do another task. And you really have to understand that this person or people are an integral part of your success and it this is your team. So these are not people who come in intermittently and help out once in a while. These are people who are family members. When we do well, they do well. Everyone does well. I trust them. They have access to banking information. They have access to – they have permissions and authority to make purchases, proofread marketing pieces, develop a marketing calendar, and, and all the other pieces of a business. So I think if you really want to take your hand off the wheel, it's important that you have a team that can handle that. How did you find the, the team? You know, one thing that my brother taught me, Todd Toback, is um, he taught me about – what he calls a VA gauntlet. 
And the VA gauntlet is amazing because what we do is we really put people through a very rigorous little um, test of, of coming on board. So it starts with the interview process. We use a tool called Upwork, formerly known as Odesk. And on Upwork, what we'll do is when we put a, a posting, we will ask for very specific granular information. For instance, when you respond, please respond between these hours, this hour and that hour. Um, please keep it in a two-form, two-paragraph sentence sentence and, and um, you know, just silly things like give us three quotes because we want to right off the bat see who's going to follow direction and who's not. Um, so that and, and it gets a little bit more in, in detail, but that is really qualifying who is actually applying is a great place to start. Interesting. I use Upwork as well for my for some of my social media stuff. Yeah, it's it's great. And so you've got that office manager and the office manager was that position essentially is hiring and firing the other team members, right? Yes. And do you pay the other team members through Upwork as well? I do. You know, we occasionally used to have people who would come to us and say, can we get paid outside because of there's a fee? But, you know, we've come to a decision on that, which is we really appreciate the work that Upwork does. And we want to keep them in the loop at all time. We also find just from an administrative standpoint, it's much easier to have one single location where everyone is is compensated and tracked. Right. So do they does the office manager have access to hire and fire people through the Upwork system and then set pay and and all that stuff? Yes, there is a way to and my assistant Lorena actually did this. I don't know how she did it, but there is a way to make someone an administrator or to set that setting in Upwork. Got it. So what are you spending the majority of your time on right now? Well, right now, um, I am really involved in education and teaching wholesaling. Um, that makes up the largest part of my workday. The wholesaling business pretty much runs itself. So a lot of my time is spent with clients, you know, in small group settings, um, teaching other people how to just, you know, crush their market with wholesaling. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, man. Okay. I don't know. One single piece. There's so much. <laughs> you know, I would say to you that the best real estate advice that I have for wholesalers is realizing that wholesaling has nothing to do with real estate. And all you have to do is put away your entrepreneurial hat that allows you to be creative and a cowboy who's independent out there and just find a system that works and copy it. Exactly. You know, look at the top wholesalers in your market and, um, you know, all of the pieces of the puzzle are right there. I think for a specific piece of advice, the, the one thing that I can give your listeners that would really just be an absolute game changer for them is everyone always talks about this, but it's, it's so it's so important. It's crucial. It's, in my opinion, the most important thing, which is you really have to be careful who you spend the most amount of time with. And I know that that's not really specifically to real estate, but I will tell you nothing has influenced my wholesaling business more than that piece of advice. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. 
Best ever book you've read? The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Oh, claiming bankruptcy. <laughs> and what did I learn from it? Don't let that happen again. Watch your numbers. <laughs> at what point did that happen? That happened right at that same point that I was uh, I was getting fired and uh, I, I, was, uh, I was totally broke and, and uh, just not being on your journey, just, just you know, sticking, I don't, you know, I would say the biggest difference now is that, is that right now with going through bankruptcy and getting fired, you know, hitting rock bottom for me, getting fired and, and doing that, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. So, uh, you know, for me, the takeaway is I'm happy it happened and I've grown from it in, in so many different ways. I wouldn't even begin to know where to start to give advice on that, but I can tell you it was definitely... It, it was a game changer for me and the best thing that ever happened. And you're on your fourth child. So I, I'm going to assume that you were together with your significant other at that time, correct? I was. My wife and I met and in college and uh, I was with her at the time, yeah. And so what is a piece of advice you'd give to the best ever listeners who go through a, an experience like that and have a significant other? Because I'm sure you had many crucial conversations during that time frame with your wife. So what's a piece of advice you can give to someone? You know, first, I just want to say my a shout out to my wife, Julie, who is the most supportive human being on the planet. And I couldn't uh, do this without her. You know, when we had our, our rock bottom, I came downstairs one day, she was crying, she was in the in the bathroom, and she was uh, crying because she didn't know whether or not to uh, pay the mortgage because the funds were so low. And you know, what I would say is that is really just to support each other. I mean, you know, I, I had to make some real sacrifices to get some of my early marketing dollars for wholesaling, and she was 100% supportive. I don't know if I have any advice in that area except to say that, you know, being supportive of your significant other is was was a game changer for me. And if I had been in a situation where Julie or my, my wife wasn't supportive, I probably just would have went out and got another job and been miserable and fighting to wake up early in the morning like I was when I was selling lawn care. What were some of the sacrifices you had to make? Well, uh, the, one of the first was that I had to sell a golf cart for marketing money. And that doesn't sound like a big deal. Um, because, um, you know, who has a golf cart? But in Florida, a golf cart is key because it's what you use to take the kids to school in the morning and what you go use to go to Publix, the local grocery store. So um, it was one of the only things we had and we enjoyed it. And uh, we were out of money. I, I had spent my last $2,000 on a marketing campaign that I made a huge mistake on. I forgot to put last market sale date on the list. So it was a complete waste of $2,000. We didn't get a single deal. We sold the golf cart for 2,500 bucks and we used that money for more marketing. And my wife stood by me the whole time. And uh, it was amazing. You forgot to do what the last market sale date on the what is that? So on the first mailing that I did, we used literally the last pennies in the bank account to do a mailing. And during the mailing, I forgot to put one of the criteria pieces, which is last market sale date, which means that the home owners have had the home for some time because it's a high equity list. The problem is when you forget to put that, what you end up with is a lot of people who literally just bought their homes in the last three to six months for all cash. So they're certainly not motivated to sell quickly at a discount. Best ever deal you've done. Oh, my first deal. No question. Dorothy Cannon on Bayshore Boulevard 
Best deal ever. It was my first deal. I went in there. There was an agent in there who, by the way, I'm friends with now. His name is James. He's actually one of my my cash agents with Cash Buyers. And I had to convince her, and I was just so done. Joe, I was ready, man. I was just <laughs> ready for it. And I was like, I am not leaving until I get this under contract. So I made her kick James out of the house and I took the deal and I only made two grand on it. And I had to get in my car and chase the buyer down to pick up my assignment fee because I forgot to tell him that he had to pay closing costs. And oh, it was a nightmare, but it was my <laughs> best deal ever. I, I did that deal and I never looked back. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? The biggest mistake that I've made in real estate has certainly been getting distracted with shiny objects, things that I felt were better opportunities, exit strategies where I felt like I could have squeezed deals for more money if I would have did things differently. I have found that that always in the end has ended up costing me revenue. Even if I'd made more money on one particular deal, it made my my wholesaling business more difficult to automate. And uh, that was – if I could go back and do things differently, I would have been 100 percent laser focused on wholesaling the entire time and never gotten involved with any other strategies whatsoever. And Tom, what's the best ever place to reach you? Wholesalinginc.com, wholesalinginc.com. We have awesome wholesaling advice out there for anyone who's looking to get started. And uh, there's, defin- there's a multitude of ways to, uh, to uh, contact me on that website. All right, Tom. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about how you're using your wholesale deals, the massive amount of wholesale deals that you've done over two and a half years to buy the properties, the rental properties for your own personal portfolio while keeping the uh, you know the, the business running with a team who is uh, overseas in the Philippines. You use Upwork to do that. I use Upwork as well for, for some VA stuff and how you've got the assistant, the personal assistant. You've got various VAs and with an office manager overseeing them. You've got an acquisitions manager who gets paid 12 to 20% on commission. And you've got disposition manager who gets $500 per deal. And any license agent that you said who's really hungry would be a good person for that. You've got KPIs, key performance indicators that you track on a regular basis. And thank you in advance for for sharing that with me and I'll post that for the best ever listeners so they can download and check out what you look at and and then also kind of giving us a glimpse inside of what's going on with uh, what what happened with you whenever you're at the crossroads and uh, you got fired on your 13th wedding anniversary how crazy is that but ended up I imagine being one of the best things that happened to you because you were able to you know work with your brother initially and then learn the wholesaling business and and then just the the kind of the the anecdote that you mentioned about you know, your wife and they're crying and you know, because the funds were so low with the mortgage and the sacrifices that you all had to make, which you're right, selling a golf cart does not seem like much of a sacrifice right. <laughs> from an outsider's perspective. But right. doing the bankruptcy thing certainly is something to, to take notice of and being supportive of this, your significant other and having faith in the process. And I think that also ties into the biggest mistake that you mentioned where the you know, shiny object thing, where instead it's, as you said, now you have faith and you stay true to your system because you might might be able to make a little bit more money on on the deals, but that ventures away from the established paradigm that you have that you have, and you won't be able to automate it and you won't be able to have your time spent on other things that are of more value. So thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your advice, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome, Joe. Thank you.
Best ever listeners, do you remember episode 195? It's titled How to Become a Billion Dollar Developer. Um, quite a, an impressive title. Well, imagine the man behind that title, Mark Massia. He's a friend of mine. I met him in New York. Oh, I met him through this show, and then we um, just really hit hit it off in New York whenever I was living there. He has a company, Massia Development. You can check it out at M-A-S-C-I-A-D-E-V.com. And it's not for everyone, but if you're interested in investments in retail and medical office, so only retail and medical office that provide stable cash flow, then you need to talk to him. Talk to Mark. You can email him directly at invest at M-A-S-C-I-A-D-E-V dot com. That's invest at com. He's a great guy, really accomplished. And if you're into uh, investing in retail and medical office, stable cash flowing properties, then you need to talk to him. I'm not making any commissions off of this. I just, I, I believe in what he does and I believe in him and uh, highly recommend you talk to him if that's what you're looking for.